takeover at Six Ways has not been completed yet, it has been revealed. Administrators Begbie Trainer has released a report confirming that the Atlas owners at Six Ways are yet to complete their takeover. The 38-page report into the progress being made by the administrators reported that Atlas Warriors, Worcester Warriors, co-owned by Jim O'Toole and James Sandford, paid £2.05 million for the Six Ways Stadium and the surrounding land. But there is still a remaining £1 million to be paid to complete the transaction. Begbies have told Atlas that the fee must be received by October the 9th. The Atlas Consortium purchased Worcester Warriors on May the 3rd with contracts signed and exchanged, but the money has not yet been paid in full. Begbies were appointed at Warriors following the club being placed into administration back in September 2022 and will remain appointed until the transaction is complete. Atlas are now in a pre-completion period and they have a licence to continue trading at six ways. They have lease agreements with three teams for the 2023-24 season. Worcester Raiders, non-league football, Worcester Warriors Women and Worcester City Women FC. But there will be no men's rugby at six ways this season, meaning Warriors' future remains very uncertain. Begbies are also seeking £1.8 million payment for their work in attempting to find new owners to come in at six ways. Uh, And lastly, for a football story... Chris Corn said his Worcester City side were absolutely brilliant in their 3-0 FA Cup win over Dudley Town on Saturday afternoon. City rode their luck at times with two goals scored from crosses and Dudley Town had chances themselves. Dylan Hart's instinctive finish in the 13th minute put them 1-0 ahead before Cam Monteith's skewed cross found the back of the net. Elliot Hartley scored in a similar fashion after the break to make it 3-0 after Dudley had gone close a couple of times towards the end of the half. But after getting zero luck in Tuesday's 0-0 draw with Tuffley Rovers, Corns was a bit more than happy to accept a bit of it on Saturday. I thought we picked up where we left off from Tuesday night, said Corns. I thought we dominated the game and we were good all around the park. The only difference from Tuesday was that we managed to put the ball into the net. I think we had a bit of luck today in that department, but you have to put yourselves into these positions to score goals, and that is what we did. They had a spell either side of half-time, maybe, but they were always going to have that once they were down in the game. We scored that third goal, and then we controlled the game from there, and we were brilliant. We should have scored a couple more, but a couple of brilliant saves from the keeper. I think the honest assessment was that we were absolutely brilliant. Moving on to individual matters, Corns was eager to point out third-choice goalkeeper Isaac Parry for some praise. City's number one, Hayden Whitcomb, was on holiday and backup shot stopper Joe Stockton picked up an injury in midweek meaning Parry had to be parachuted in from Evesham. And he, aside from one moment, produced a solid display and made a number of good saves to keep Dudley at bay in the first half. Hayden is away, and we knew about that, but Joe picked up a bit of a niggle on Tuesday, so we had to bring Isaac in, added Corns. But that's non-league football. These things happen, 
and we just had to deal with it. It was a bit of a baptism of fire for Isaac, but I thought he was outstanding for us today. He made some good saves, came and collected the ball well when he really had to and used his feet really well. For a young lad coming into the FA game in his first game, not played for three or four weeks, he was fantastic. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. The obituaries will follow the music. So thank you very much for listening and we just all like to say goodbye until next time. Goodbye. And now for the obituaries. Joyce Tung passed away peacefully on the 16th of July, age 92. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, the 11th of August at 1.45. Flowers or donations, if desired for cancer research, may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. A collection plate will also be available at the crematorium. Debbie Ann Cowdery, née Brooks, former Carnival Queen 1990, passed away on the 16th of July with all her family beside her, aged 51. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on the 16th of August at 12.15 and the wake is at the Barn Owl afterwards, WR4 9UP. Everyone is welcome to come along and celebrate Debbie Ann's life. Our only request is for everyone to wear sunglasses as a tribute to Mum's signature look. Family flowers only. Peace after so much pain, Debbie Ann. Anne Skinner passed away peacefully on the 18th of July, aged 88. Funeral service is at the Vale Crematorium on Tuesday the 15th of August at 2pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for cancer research may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Anne Kathleen Dermody peacefully passed on the 19th of July, age 71. Funeral will be held at St Joseph's RC Church, Warnden, on the 14th of August at 12 o'clock, followed by a service at the crematorium at 1. Rest in peace, Auntie Anne. Jean Dar from Worcester passed away peacefully on the 21st of July at Mowbray Nursing Home, aged 90. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Wednesday the 13th of September at 12 noon. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for St Richard's Hospice. She was the best. All inquiries to co-op funeral care. William Ernest, known as Bill Cox, from Fernhill Heath, passed away on the 22nd of July. His funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 10th of August at 11.30. Family flowers only, please. Donations in Bill's name are for the Motor Neurone Disease Association. Inquiries to Hoskins Funerals Direct. Paul Raymond Shepherd, aged 58 years. Paul sadly passed away on Tuesday the 25th of July. A service to celebrate Paul's life will take place at the Vale Crematorium on Thursday the 10th of August at 3pm. 
All inquiries to Thomas Brothers, the funeral director's Ulster. Gordon John Robert Wright, Kitey, of Pershaw, passed away peacefully on the 30th of July, aged 90. A memorial service will take place at Pershaw Abbey on Thursday, August the 17th at 2pm, followed by the Vale Crematorium. Family flowers only. Donations in Gordon's memory are donated, are invited for Dementia UK. These may be sent to E. Hill and Sons Funeral Director, Pershaw. James Alsop, known as Jim from Poick, passed away peacefully on the 30th of July at St Richard's Hospice, aged 85 years. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Thursday the 17th of August at 4pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for Myeloma UK and St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care, Mulvan. Monica Joan Hill, of Droitwich, aged 82, passed away peacefully in Dorset House Nursing Home on August the 3rd. Funeral service on Monday the 24th of August, sorry, Monday the 21st of August, 2.30pm, at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only. Donations to Acorns Children's Hospice or sent to George Crump and Son Funeral Directors, Droitwich. We send our best wishes to the family and friends of the recently departed at this difficult time. the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us here at Colin Chance House. There isn't always anybody here, but leave a message and somebody will get back to you as soon as they can. I'm Sally and Ian and Hannah and Rianne are reading with me and Nigel is our sound engineer. Today we're recording on Thursday, an extremely hot day, um, and we will be featuring the news from Friday, August the 4th, until Thursday, August the 11th. We will include what's on in the local area, some headli- the headline stories, and then general articles of interest, ending with some sporting items. And the obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. So I'll go over to Ian for the thought for the week. Thank you. Uh, The thought for the week uh, is taken from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, the sunrise at the moment is at 5.40 a.m. and sunset at 8.50 p.m. And now for some useful telephone numbers. Here at the Worcester Talking News, we are on 01905 767766. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out-of-hours medical assistance between 6pm and 8pm is on 0300 123-3211. Crime Stoppers is on 0800-555-111. The Community Risk Team Fire Safety is on 0800-032-1155. The Domestic Abuse Helpline is on 0800-980-980. 3331 Worcestershire County Council here to help is on 01905 768053 The Worcester Hub is on 01905 765765 Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired you phone telef- you telephone D Jones on 01684 819796 the samaritans are on a free phone number 116123 the worcester theatre's box office is on 01905 Malvern Theatre Box Office is on 01684-892277. The Norbury Theatre in Droitwich is on 01905-77-0154. Number 8 Theatre Pershaw is on 01386-555-488. The National Grid, formerly Western Power, has a 24-hour service on 0800-917-7953 and you use this in the event of a power cut. And there's also a priority service register free on 0800-032-8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. And now for a roundup of what's on in the area. Families are invited to a fun day at Barborn X Services Club on Sunday, August the 27th. There'll be plenty for people to enjoy during a family fun day at the club in the Moors, Worcester from 2pm. There will be entertainment all day with stalls, beach the goalie, children's games and much, much more along with refreshments. Light entertainment from Darren Tai will begin at 8.30pm. People can rent a table for car boots or small businesses for £10 each. For details, call Laura Moffat on 07710 675 808. 
and Rachel Salter, the Wellbeing Activities Coordinator for Site Concern, is delighted to invite you to join their Summer Eye Explore event. Um, they're holding a Summer fa Family Fun Day on Thursday the 24th of August from 10am till 3pm at Pershaw Leisure Centre. The day will include a family swim session, a free lunch, a soft play session and art and craft opportunities. There is a £5 charge per family for the event and booking is essential. This event is for families where any family member is vision impaired and we warmly welcome carers, siblings and grandparents to join in the fun. If you'd like any further information and or to book your family a space at the event, please contact Site Concern on 01905 723245 or at info at sitconcern.co.uk. And Malvern Theatres uh, is delighted to welcome back the National Gilbert and Sullivan Opera Company in September. So from Thursday the 7th of September to Saturday the 9th, They've got three operas on, The Mikado, The Yeoman of the Guard and The Pirates of Penzance. You get 15% off when booking two productions and 25% off if you book all three. The box office is 01684 And finally, just to let you know that the Worcester Festival is back in action from the 12th of August to the 28th of August this year. There's a variety of activities and fun events for everyone. Uh, information is available on www.worcesterfestival.co.uk. Thank you. And now we go to the headline stories, starting with Friday, August the 4th. <clears throat> city's largest tree gets a radical trim. The city's largest tree has been drastically cut back because it was a becoming a danger. However, the massive poplar in Henwick Parade near the Sabrina Bridge is still very much alive after concern was raised about the radical extent of the trim. The pollarding work was carried out over the weekend and the healthy tree will grow back, say its experts at Worcester City Council. Only the trunk of the tree, which once towered over the path and the upper stumps of its branches, remain after it was extensively cut back. The path, which runs along the flood bund by the River Severn, is used by walkers, cyclists and students from the University of Worcester. Despite some concerns raised anonymously by readers, the City Council has given assurances that the tree is healthy and is a species that responds well to pollarding. Councillor Karen Leewing, chairman of the Environmental Committee, said she had been assured the tree was historically managed by pollarding and with the potential danger of one branch over the highway, action had to be taken. However, there is some great news as the hornet clearwing moth lives in the base of the tree. It is a nationally scarce moth that has only been spotted twice before in Worcester. The City Council says the tree is thought to be the largest tree in Worcester and is near the River Severn and opposite the University of Worcester's new Elizabeth Garrett Anderson Medical Centre. Several of its branches were growing out over the road and footpaths. A large branch fell off the tree last year and the Council expressed concern and others could do the same, potentially injuring people.
Councillor Zoe Cookson, Vice Chairman of the City Council's Environmental Committee, said, We value all the beautiful trees in our city and we want to retain them as far as possible, but we do need to ensure they are safe. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, We do our best to care for all our trees and we do need to ensure that they're safe and from time to time that means carrying out pollarding work. Poplars react well to pollarding. Indeed, this one has reached such a size because pollarding over the years has allowed it to live well beyond the normal lifespan expected of a poplar. This tree is a beautiful and healthy tree, so we're confident it will continue to flourish for many years to come. Now, the lead story for Saturday and Sunday, August the 5th and 6th. Worker suffers burns after chemical explosion. A man was rushed to hospital with burns after a chemical explosion. Eyewitnesses said they saw smoke bellowing from the Vauxhall garage on Shipston Close in Blackpool after a chemical explosion in a van. A man in his 20s, a subcontractor for Vauxhall, was rushed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for chemical burns on his face and hands. Vauxhall said it could not comment at this time and an internal investigation is being carried out. Ambulance police and firefighters rushed to the scene at around 9.40am this morning, Friday, after reports of an explosion. A West Midlands ambulance spokesperson said, We were called at 9.41am to a small explosion nearby to Shipston Close, Worcester. One ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. Upon arrival, ambulance staff found a man with non-life-threatening injuries. He received treatment at the scene and was conveyed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further treatment. It is believed the explosion was caused by a hot ember coming into contact with paint thinners used for spraying, fire services have said. One eyewitness said they saw one ambulance, one fire engine and four police cars filling the small industrial estate road. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service <coughs> excuse me, spokesperson said, HWFR was called out to a report of a person suffering with burns in Worcester at 9.51am today. One Worcester Fire Service crew attended Shipston Close after a call from the ambulance service. A small chemical explosion in the rear of a van had resulted in minor burns for a man in his 20s who was left in the care of the ambulance crew. There was no fire and a firefighter wearing breathing apparatus investigated the scene to assess any possible hazards. It is believed the explosion was caused by a hot ember coming into contact with paint sprint thinners used for spraying. The police also attended the scene, and HWFRS crew left the incident at 10.45am. A West Mercia police spokesman added, We were called to a business address on Shipston Close, Worcester, after the ambulance service contacted us to say that a man had suffered chemical burns at 9.50am this morning. Fire services are investigating the incident and there will be no further police involvement. And the headline on Monday, August the 7th was Drugs Farm Bust. 
More than 100 plants were found at a cannabis farm discovered at a home in Dines Green. One man was arrested after a raid at an address in Drake Avenue following concerns from residents. The discovery prompted a stern reaction from one Worcester City councillor who said drug activity had long been a concern for the community and added cannabis ruins lives. Officers from St John's Safer Neighbourhood Team, SNT, and the Criminal Investigation Department raided the property on Thursday morning, August 3rd. Councillor Richard Udall, Worcestershire County and Worcester City Councillor for St John's, strongly condemned cannabis after the Dines Green Farm arrest. Councillor Udall said, This is an ongoing investigation. I'm aware of some of the circumstances and welcome the work of the police, which will hopefully prevent further and future illegal drug activity, which has been the cause of local concern for a long time. Cannabis is not a safe drug and it's not harmless. It causes significant problems for the users and the community. It is a gateway for other drugs and criminality. I urge any resident who has any information about the illegal growing, distribution or use of cannabis to contact the police. It ruins lives and we are, as a community, we need to work together to resolve the problem of illegal cannabis use. A man who was arrested at the scene is now helping officers with their inquiries. A West Mercia police spokesperson said, I can confirm a warrant on Drake Avenue was executed at 10.15am on Thursday, July 3rd, following concerns from residents. Over 100 cannabis plants were seized by police. One man was arrested at the scene and is now helping officers with their inquiries. Cannabis is a Class B controlled drug listed in Schedule 1 of the Misuse of Drugs Regulation 2001 and in the Misuse of Drugs Designation Order 2015. On Tuesday, August the 8th, the headline read... It's back, raising a glass as beer festival returns after four-year hiatus. Thousands are set to enjoy Worcester's very own beer festival this year after a four-year break caused in part by the pandemic. The popular Worcester Camera Festival is back for its 21st year this month and it will be taking place in a new venue. Worcester Pitchcroft Racecourse is set to see around 5,000 people come to enjoy the best beer, cider and perry the festival offers between Thursday, August the 10th and Saturday, August the 12th. For the first time, the festival will be held indoors and use all three floors of the racecourse grandstand, with one floor dedicated to seating. There will also be plenty of space outside for additional chairs and tables. The festival will have 150 casks providing 60 different real ales, 80 ciders and perries and fruit and grape wine. There will also be a gin bar and food concessions providing pierogi, burgers, hot dogs, chips and Epicurean street food. Bands will perform on Thursday and Friday evenings and from 3pm on Saturday in a dedicated band tent. 
To mark its 21st anniversary, the festival will support the NHS and recognise 75 years since its creation. The last festival was held on Pitchcroft in 2019, but did not take place in 2020 or 21 after the popular event was cancelled due to Covid. In 2022, the festival did not go ahead due to the Tom Jones concert on Pitchcroft. This year, organisers ran a competition to develop a logo for the event. The winning design has appeared in all advertising, literature and event programmes and it will also be front and centre on the key item for the event, the souvenir glass. Krista Halvorsen, press spokesman for the festival, said... Our committee have had a long period of time to plan the return of one of the most popular beer festivals in the UK and are really looking forward to welcoming back our loyal patrons for another three days by the River Severn. Tickets can be purchased via the festival website, which can be found at festival.worcester.camera.org.uk slash wordpress slash And the headlines for Wednesday, August the 9th. Woman fights for life as car hits six pedestrians. A car struck six pedestrians, leaving one in a critical condition and causing widespread shock yesterday, which was Tuesday. The emergency services were called shortly after midday when a red Fiat 500 car struck six pedestrians in Church Street, Malvern. Three women were taken to hospital and one is in a serious condition as police launch an urgent witness appeal. A spokesperson for West Midlands Ambulance Service said, three people have been taken to hospital, one with life-threatening injuries following a collision in Malvern. A police spokesperson added, three people were injured and taken to hospital by ambulance. One is in a critical condition, the other two have injuries which are not described as serious but not life-threatening. The other three people suffered minor injuries which did not need medical treatment. Inquiries into the collision will be carried out, however, at this stage it does not appear that it was deliberate. There have been no arrests and we understand the driver remained at the scene. A police cordon was placed at both ends of the street and casualties could be seen being placed in ambulances. The ambulance service was called at 12.02pm. Three ambulances, two paramedic officers a basics emergency doctor and the Midland Air Ambulance from Strensham went to the scene. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said the first, an elderly woman, was assessed and had sustained life-threatening injuries. She received advanced trauma care at the scene which which continued en route to Queen Elizabeth Hospital via land ambulance. The second and third woman had sustained injuries that were not life-threatening. They both received treatment from ambulance staff at the scene. The second woman was conveyed to Hereford Hospital by land ambulance for further treatment. The third woman was conveyed to Worcester Royal Hospital by land ambulance for further treatment. Two further patients self-presented to ambulance staff who were assessed and discharged after the scene. No further patients required treatment. Yesterday, there were at least four police cars on the scene, some parked across the entrance to Church Street to stop the traffic. Pedestrians were also turned away at a cordon at one end of Church Street. The tape was placed across the street, starting just after Iceland on one side and just after A-Plan Insurance on the other. A 
At one stage it appeared a casualty was being treated on the pavement, with paramedics knelt around them, administrating, administrating care. Later, an officer could be seen with a tripod taking photos of the scene. Church Street remained shut until 6pm in the evening. A West Mercia police spokesman added, We would like to hear from anyone who was in the area at the time and maybe witnessed or have dashcam footage of the collision of the red Fiat 500 in the moments before. Amy Smith, 27, of Malvern, was coming out of the hairdressers when she saw the large police presence. She said, I'm hoping everyone is okay and safe. One resident, who declined to be named, said, It's just shocking, really. And just to update you from the following day, the lady who was uh, seriously injured, a lady in her 80s, sadly did die um, a few hours after getting to hospital. Uh, Now for the lead for Thursday, August the 10th. The party's over. A city centre street party has been forced to cancel over fears it could attract too many people. But the organisers are vowing to come back bigger and better next year. Neighbourhood had organised a street party in Worcester's Copenhagen Street on Saturday, August the 12th. But the council turned down the licence over fears it would prove too popular. However, there are no hard feelings from the organisers and owners of Neighbourhood who are working with the council to build a bigger event next year. Clint Webb, co-owner of Neighbourhood, said, We applied for licensing for it, which was denied. However, it's more that the event could draw way more people than anticipated due to it being a city centre event. We didn't want to run the risk of overcrowding, so the council suggested we put it on hold and work together to organise a bigger event for 2024. We feel fine about the refusal, as we want to make sure that everything runs safely for the community and everyone involved. The free, family-friendly street party, which would have played host to DJs, street food, live art and entertainment, also featured Copenhagen Street Bars, Triple B and the Oil Basin, a boutique craft craft fair at the Kiln, artist Este Angeline, pole dancer and instructor Imogen Gunter, and the Jungle Club Plant Shop, which has recently relocated to Pump Street. With the street party cancelled, the DJs will now be setting up in Pizza Freaks, above Hop Lord's Tap Room and Bottle Shop in nearby Pump Street, so the event was not a total write-off. Clint Webb and Matt Haley of Neighbourhood called time on their deli last month, shutting the doors at their reindeer court spot after four years, saying the ongoing cost-of-living crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic, which had not been very kind, had forced their hands. But this did not mean the end of neighbourhood, with the pair moving back, the bi- back, moving the business into the back of a bright yellow former AA van and hitting the road to venues and festivals across the country, and eventually, the two hope, parts of Europe. For the latest news, visit www.worcesternews.co.uk. 
Dozens faced the rain to celebrate the opening of a new bookshop cafe in the city centre. Scripthaven is now the city's second independent bookshop, but the new shop by former Worcestershire poet laureate Lena Batchelor is offering more than just books. Operating from the former House of Coffee, Scripthaven will also offer a platform for authors and artists, unique gifts, a cafe, second-hand book exchange and a community hub. The support and energy from every person who either knew we were opening or came across us today has been incredible. It has been really heartwarming, Miss Batchelor said. On Saturday, the crowd took turns one by one to express their creativity through words and read out their own poems and stories before the shop opened. The shop and cafe was then officially opened by Worcester's carnival queen, Rihanna Levy, also a former Worcestershire poet laureate. Miss Levy said this space is really important for everyone, but especially for creatives who want to get their work seen. It is such a prime location in Cathedral Square, and seeing the crowds today, you can see it has drawn a lot of people in. The shop will also provide a community hub and safe space, providing facilities for advice, counselling, education and creative workshops alongside volunteering opportunities. Ms. Batchelor added, It is a community hub that will bring people together, which is lacking in the city centre of Worcester. There are small pockets, but nothing right in the centre. Ten years ago, Lena stepped into the spoken word scene in Worcester and applied for the Worcestershire Poet Laureate role three years ago. During a time of pandemic lockdowns, Lena had to find unique ways to get poetry into the lives of people who would not normally engage the genre. This resulted in a calendar-raising fund for the REME charity, online spoken word events for charities and an exhibition for the commandery. There was even a performance piece which was free to schools and youth groups endorsed by the Hollywood vampires Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp and Joe Perry. Unhappy patients at a GP surgery, which is the lowest rank in the city for patient satisfaction, regularly complain, said a St John's councillor. St John's House Medical Centre was the lowest-ranked surgery in the city, including surrounding areas within the postcode area, according to the GP Patient Survey 2023. Richard Udall, the St John's City and County Councillor, said he has received complaints about the practice in Bromyard Road, including patients reporting difficulty getting appointments. However, he does not believe these problems are unique to St John's House and has called for a wider review. As previously reported, the annual survey revealed the best and worst doctor surgeries according to residents who rely on their services. The top-ranked surgery in our area for overall satisfaction is Cradley Surgery in Cradley near Malvern, with an overall satisfaction rating of 97.84%. The lowest ranked is St John's House in Bromyard Road, with a satisfaction rating of 61.57%. 
In the 2023 survey, 71.3% of patients reported a good overall experience of their GP practice, lower than in 2022, which was 72.4%. The independent survey is run by Ipsos on behalf of NHS England, sent out to over 2 million people across the UK and is designed to reflect how people feel about their GP practice and their level of satisfaction with the experience. Councillor Udall said, I do receive regular complaints about the St John's House surgery. Residents are clearly unhappy. Patients complain they have significant problems trying to see a doctor and getting a response or a referral. The problems are not unique to St John's House. All doctor surgeries in Worcester have similar issues. But St John's House does seem to have problems and I have long been worried about their ability to adequately serve the residents of St John's. Many residents have sought my help and advice on how to change and join other practices. But residents are struggling to find an alternative surgery. Funding is clearly a problem, as is recruiting and retaining GPs. Residents often claim they never see the same GP twice, as locums appear to be very frequent. I do believe we need to investigate the adequacy of Worcester GP surgeries to find out what support and help they need, to see why they are failing in customer satisfaction and to review how they are funded. More accountability is needed. The power of regulators should be strengthened and patients' rights and their power and ability to complain should be enhanced. It must be recognised that all GP surgeries in the city do a difficult job in ever-increasingly difficult circumstances, but that should not never be used as an excuse for for failure, poor patient service or a lack of accountability. St John's House Surgery has been approached for a comment. Former workers at some of the city's most well-known factories can share their memories to preserve their history and heritage. Worcester Mila is asking previous staff at Liam Perrin's, Metalbox, Kay's, JVM Castings and Worcester Porcelain to share their stories of being on the shop floor. The group will be hosting several events as part of its Melting Pot initiative, which will help preserve the South Asian heritage in the city, much of which can be found in Worcester's industrial past. Worcester Mela is a team of volunteers and professionals that have the vision to create Mela a festival of togetherness in Worcester by celebrating South Asian culture and traditions. Melting Pot aims to get workers to bring photos, memorabilia and stories to share at different events across the city to build a portfolio of what life was like working in its factories. During the 60s and 70s, many South Asian people began working in the city's factories. However, despite making up a significant proportion of the workforce, little is known about the individual experiences and any barriers people may have faced at work. A dance performed by the Balbia Sing Dance Company will conclude the project in September next year. The dancers will recreate people's shared experiences of factory life through movement. Although many of the stories shared will be from older generations, Worcester Mella encourages children to participate in the dance performance. Organiser Councillor Jabba Riaz said, The main premise, premise is to be present to present the history of industrial work in the city. 
the historical element of Mela is to preserve South Asian heritage in the city. What we are trying to do is to host four or five events across the city to get people to come and share their stories and experiences. Worcester Mela hosted its first event last week at the Horizon Community Centre, which Councillor Reyes said was well attended. More dates in October will be announced shortly. Worcester Mela will be at the Worcester Show on Pitchcroft on Sunday, August the 13th. There'll be cookery demonstrations, Bollywood dance workshops and performances at 11 o'clock and 4.15. A new mural could soon fill the blank canvas of a Worcester railway station as the search begins for an artist to create a bold and beautiful original design. The vinyl artwork would decorate the plain white subway between the two platforms of Fourgate Street Station in Worcester, providing a striking first impression for city visitors. The project, named Art at the Station, is a design brief promoted by a coalition of partners led by the Art Society, TAS, Worcester. Artwork at Guildford Railway Station by Surrey artist Julie Hoyle creator of Host, illustrates the dramatic, impressive, similar schemes have created elsewhere in the UK. Maggie Keeble, chairperson TAS Worcester, it is an exciting experience to be commissioning public art for a very visible site. The winning artist designer has an opportunity to create an installation that will transform the space and be seen by many thousands of people. The coalition is looking for artists based in the West Midlands to submit proposals. A closing date for submissions has been set for August the 31st and the shortlist will be released on September the 15th. The artist or artists chosen will be paid £3,000 for this project, which will include a responsibility to share the journey from design to installation with two aspiring artists from Worcestershire. Artwork will be in the form of a digital design suitable for large-scale printing on vinyl to attach to the surface of panels in the subway. The work will have an indefinite lifespan with contingency funds included in the overall budget to maintain and repair the work if it is damaged or deteriorating. A colour palette will need to be adhered to, selected based on the Worcestershire colour palette by the Colour Palette Company. The design will need to incorporate a map of the city with areas of interest for tourists, the main thoroughfares and the River Severn. Sites to be incorporated in the maps are Worcester Cathedral, the Museum of Royal Worcester, the Commandery, the Guildhall, the Hive, the University of Worcester Art House, University of Worcester Campus in St John's, Tudor House Museum, Greyfriars, Swan Theatre, The Racecourse, Worcestershire County Cricket Club, Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum. Artists must submit a design concept and rough sketch, digital or on paper. Entries will be shortlisted by a panel and each shortlisted candidate will need to present their ideas at a Zoom-based interview. Organisers hope to commission an artist from the West Midlands, but may widen the geographical reach.
The installation is expected to take place in February or March next year. To submit an application, visit the Art Society Worcester website, go to All About Us, and then go to the latest news to submit a form. A viewpoint which commands panoramic views of Worcester has been improved with information panels which illuminate the city's history. The Ketch viewpoint in Worcester offers panoramic views of Powick Hams, Worcester and the Malvern Hills, as well as improvements made as part of the A440 Southern Link Road scheme. Now improved interpretation panels have been installed, providing more information about the landscape, wildlife and historical features on show. The boards are provide, also provide details about significant battles that took place in the area during the English Civil Wars, the Battle of Powick Bridge, September 23, 1642, and the Battle of Worcester, September 3, 1651. These new panels replaced the previous ones that had begun to look tired and were out of date. Councillor Mark Baylis, Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Economy, Infrastructure and Skills, said, The new information boards at Ketch Viewpoint are a great addition to this attraction, offering insight into what's on view, but also taking us back in time to events that happened hundreds of years ago. The major improvements delivered by the County Council in this area are hugely important and a huge amount of effort went in before the work started to ensure that local ecology and the protection and recording of archaeological remains were taken into consideration when planning these works. Before, before work started on the Southern Link Road, Excavations were carried out in the area, uncovering over 40 musket, carbine and pistol balls, military equipment, horseshoes, harness fittings, coins and buckles. Daniel Daniels, chairman of the Battle of Worcester Society, said, Worcester played a pivotal part in the history of the Civil War. The Battle of Worcester was the final act in a series of conflicts between King and Parliament that started in Worcester and ended in Worcester. The Battle of Worcester was fought by infantry and cavalry across a wide area extending from Powick and St John's and into the city itself. The areas around Fort Royal, Sidbury and St Martins in particular saw brutal hand-to-hand -hand street fighting between the Royalist troops and Cromwell's new model army. The newly erected interpretation panel serves as a poignant reminder of this crucial battle and the strategic and historical importance of Worcester. The boards give further details about the English Civil Wars and what was found on site as part of the excavations. They also provide information on the Malvern Hills, River Severn, River Team, the General Landscape and Carrington Bridge. The Worcester Show is taking place this weekend with some new additions, including cage football. This year's show will be held at Pitchcroft between 10am and 5pm on Sunday, August the 13th. 
with the Worcester show soon to take place, there is a guide to what to expect this weekend, which promises to offer a packed lineup of live music, market stalls, fun fair rides, a dog show, sports demonstrations, free activities, and plenty of food and drink. Judges will be announcing the winners of over 140 competition classes, ranging from flowers and homegrown vegetables to arts and crafts and cookery. This year, there are several new competitions, including visible mending and pressed flowers, as well as a new section, Creative Technology. Worcester Mella will bring an extravaganza of Asian arts and entertainment to the event, and there will also be a community marquee, where local people will share their skills, talents and interests. Among the new events at this year's show is cage football. Play football in a cage so the ball never goes out. The cage football will be managed by the Worcester City Football Club in the sports zone. There will also be a gaming cube which will contain four screens, one on each side. Two players sit at each screen and can play FIFA football, Formula One or Minecraft. The cube will be in the community marquee. Both activities have been supplied by Youth for Christ in Hales Owen and are being funded by Platform Housing. Other attractions include Worcester reenactors, who will have their own encampment featuring cannons, muskets and period costumes. The Guinness World Record holder and running guru Donato will be putting visitors through their paces with his very own fitness activity, and the scouts will be demonstrating fire lighting, tomahawk throwing and a daring obstacle course. The show is delivered by Worcester City Council, supported by the Friends of Worcester Show. This year's event will have lots of extra parking for bikes, so visitors are welcome to come along on two wheels. Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Louis Stevens, said Worcester Show is one of the major highlights in the city's calendar, attracting residents and visitors of all ages. It's a great day out and I'm really looking forward to enjoying all that this year's event has to offer. It is sure to be an excellent day. The show remains free of charge, but visitors will be asked to make a donation towards running costs. A city centre luggage shop, which has been in Worcester since 1884, is closing its doors for good. Knowles Travel Goods in Broad Street has reduced the price of all its stock and it's displaying signs stating that the business is closing. Outside the business, a sign can be seen which reads... All stock reduced, store closing, everything must go. On the shop windows there are also large signs that read closing down. A closing date has not been announced. The Knowles name has been a presence in the city centre since 1884 when Albert Knowles opened A.J. Knowles Limited, a saddle and tennis racket shop. Albert died from pneumonia at the age of just 39 in 1902 and his wife Mary took over the store. Their son Arthur took over when he returned from serving in the First World War, working in the shop for the next five decades until he died in 1971 at the age of 78. From then, his son Robin ran the shop, which had by then expanded to two shops until his tragic death in a climbing accident in 1992 at the age of 60. After Robin's death... Rick took over the shop, having worked as a ski instructor in Switzerland before joining the family business at the age of 20. 
There was also a Knoll sports store in Broad Street alongside the travel goods shop, which closed in February 2020. It then reopened under new ownership later the same year. On its Facebook page, the shop calls itself the oldest leather and travel goods shop in the city. Some consumers attempting to swap old Royal Mail stamps for new versions with a barcode have been charged after being told their purchases are fake, according to new allegations. From August, regular stamps without a barcode were no longer valid, but they can be exchanged for new barcoded versions as part of Royal Mail's stamp swap-out scheme. People wishing to exchange their old stamps must fill out a form and send them to Royal Mail, where they will be swapped for new barcoded versions free of charge. But some customers have found their old stamps are counterfeit or fraudulent, the Telegraph found. If an invalid stamp is used, or the stamp is detected to be fraudulent or faulty, then the recipient will have to pay a fee in order to receive their post. Affected customers told the newspaper the stamps had been bought from reputable and official places, including the post office or at counters at retailers like WH Smith, or even directly from the Royal Mail website. The Telegraph said it had seen 40 instances of customers claiming the stamps they had bought were flagged as invalid, both the old ones and the newer barcoded versions. Royal Mail said it needs sufficient evidence to be able to investigate cases of stamps being marked as counterfeit or not genuine. A Royal Mail spokesman said, It is vital we can investigate any instance where a person believes their stamps have been incorrectly identified as counterfeit or pre-used. To do this, we require any customer who believes they have been incorrectly surcharged to send the envelope with the barcoded stamp attached to us, along with the exact location of where the stamp was purchased. It said it can then assess both barcoded and non-barcoded stamps with a thorough examination using specialist equipment as well as a human inspection and then additional security checks. We are confident our processes are robust, the spokesperson added. We will always happily review individual cases, and if an error has been made, then we will, of course, correct it. All retailers were told to stop selling non-barcoded stamps from October last year. The new barcoded stamps, which still feature an image of the late Queen, were introduced last year as part of a move to modernise the service and to allow enhanced security features. A gin distillery is reopening in Worcester at its new location this weekend. Piston Gin Distillery at Danks 2, 62 Diglis Road, is set to welcome the public this weekend as part of its soft launch. The shop will be open this weekend and gin schools will be running, but there is no open bar. Both the exterior of the business and the interior plans have been teased online ahead of the opening, with a new image recently posted showing a look at the new interior. 
Councillor Lynn Denham, joint leader of Worcester City Council, said she recently attended a meeting organised by the business to settle residents' fears over potential noise. She said, I attended the meeting with Councillor Jabba Rias, alongside residents to hear from Piston Gin regarding concerns over the potential noise and opening hours. Piston Gin Distillery has moved into Digley's Basin after purchasing and transforming an empty warehouse with an amazing view. We were able to meet the owners with residents who expressed their concerns about the impact of this new business. Many would like Piston Gin to be a positive presence, but they will need to be considerate and earn the trust of their neighbours. Grace Stringer, Managing Director of Piston Distillery, said, We are very excited to be returning to Worcester. This has been in the works for a very long time. As we are perfectionists, there are still a few things we will be working on next week, but we are happy to be having our soft launch this weekend. We wanted to hold this meeting so that residents could meet us and find out more about what we want to do and answer any questions. We love the area and want to be a respectful neighbour and live in harmony with everyone around us. Piston Distillery Limited currently has an application ongoing with Worcestershire Regulatory Services to sell alcohol between 9am and 10.30pm between Monday to Thursday. The application also references the sale of alcohol on Friday to Saturday between 9am and 11pm and from 10am to 5.30pm on Sundays. All new applications and variations are subject to a 28-day consultation period where a variety of bodies are consulted. A responsible authority or any other person can make written representation to the licensing authority at any time up to and including Thursday the 24th of August. When making representation, you are advised to quote 23-03762-prem-l-i. There are fears a snake has bitten a dog in a city estate, as one councillor warns people to be alert and safe. A dog was bitten by a snake while on a walk near Corfe Avenue in Warnden Villages, according to reports. However, it is not known what species of snake attacked the pet. Councillor Sarah Murray, Worcester City Councillor for Warnden Parish North, has asked people to, in the area to remain alert and safe. Council officials have now been asked to investigate the area with the bite reportedly happening in long grass near a body of water. Councillor Murray said, I have heard about the incident and have asked council officers to check the local area so that we can be alert to any potential dangers. In the meantime, members of the public should report any sightings of snakes. They can email me at sarah.murray at worcester.net. Please take care of loose animals in long grass. Be alert and be safe. In May, at least three dogs were reported to have been bitten by a snake on Clane's Recreation Ground along Corn Meadow Lane. 
Reports suggested that the snake could have been an adder, the UK's only venomous snake, which is protected in the UK under the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981. However, after Worcester City Council invited a Worcestershire-based independent ecologist to investigate the likelihood of adders, the conclusion was that the habitat was poor for adders and missing the staple food source for juvenile adders, the common lizard. Grass snakes are more common across Worcestershire and are found in a range of habitats. Adders prefer to use the venom to subdue prey instead of attacking, and grass snakes are not venomous but can bite if threatened. They usually hiss loudly and strike with their mouth closed in an attempt to scare any threats. Anyone who sees a snake anywhere in Worcestershire can submit images to Worcestershire Wildlife Trust by visiting www.walkswildlifetrust.co.uk slash wildlife dash sightings and the species can be confirmed. We have contacted Worcester City Council for more information about this. Shivering shoppers and staff have been left feeling freezing cold while walking down the aisles at a city supermarket. Customers have been complaining of the chilly temperatures at Tesco's in Warnden villages, with the chilly atmosphere also affecting employees. Engineers are working to resolve the issues at the supermarket in Millwood Drive, with one shopper saying the whole supermarket feels like the freezer aisle. A spokesperson said the store has been experiencing cold temperatures after suffering issues with the boiler. A customer contacted the Worcester News after visiting the store on Sunday the 6th of August. They raised the issue with a staff member who agreed there was an issue and said they could barely feel their legs, according to the shopper. They said, I popped into Tesco on Sunday afternoon. It was absolutely freezing cold. The whole store appeared to be the same temperature as the fridge and freezer aisle. It was very uncomfortable, so I rushed around doing my shop as fast as I could. When I mentioned it to one of the staff, they said they were barely able to feel their legs. The Tesco spokesperson said it's working hard to resolve the temperature issues at the Warnden Superstore and are looking to resolve the problems as soon as possible. Engineers are in the process of working to fix the issue to return the temperature to normal. Last month, the Worcester News reported that shoppers were being deterred from visiting the supermarket due to a recurring foul smell of sewage. The issue was first raised in 2017 and seemed to have been resolved, but shoppers began reporting a stinky whiff around the store in March this year. Tim Potter, 41, of St John's, Worcester, said, It's like a gross poo smell. Nobody wants to do their shopping with that lingering around. I'll go elsewhere now. In 2017, a spokesperson for Tesco confirmed the issue was caused by underfloor piping and that despite the foul smell, the supermarket had no hygiene concerns around food or customer health. More recently, Tesco said maintenance teams are working to resolve the issue, but the smell poses no health issues and is not caused by any sort of sewage. The county's hospital trust has appointed a new chief executive. Glenn Burley becomes the latest Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust, taking over from Matthew Hopkins after four years in the role. Mr Burley said he was delighted to make his return to Worcestershire after 16 years having previously served 
as the Hospital Trust's Chief Operating Officer and Deputy Chief Executive. I am really pleased to see how the organisation has developed over the last decade, he said. Going forward, I'm looking forward to expanding on the great work already underway, making the organisation the best it can be for our patients and supporting our staff to feel valued and listened to. The former Chief Executive Matthew Hopkins leaves to become boss of Mid and South Essex NHS Foundation Trust. It was during Mr Hopkins' tenure that the Acute Trust, which runs Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester and the Alex in Redditch, moved out of special measures in 2020, five years on from an inadequate rating by the Care Quality Commission, CQC. Mr Burley becomes the Chief Executive at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, adding to his roles at three other NHS trusts in Herefordshire and Warwickshire. His appointment comes as Worcestershire's Hospital Trust becomes the latest to join the Foundation Group, made up of Wye Valley, George Elliott and South Warwickshire NHS Trusts, all of which are also headed by Mr Burley. The Foundation Group was set up by Wye Valley and South Warwickshire Trusts in 2017 and a review had argued that Worcestershire would benefit by signing up fully to the partnership. The move might also help the county in its bid for university hospital status. The Foundation Group model has lots of recognised benefits and alongside partners George Elliott Hospital NHS Trust, South Warwickshire University NHS Foundation Trust and Wye Valley NHS Trust, this expansion is going to strengthen all of our abilities to share best practice and improve patient pathways, Mr Burley said. Within the Foundation Group, there is a strong culture for driving continuous improvements and championing, championing innovation. And with all the great things happening in Worcestershire's hospitals, other partners are really going to benefit from the Trust's full membership. Russell Hardy also joins as chair of the Hospital Trust Board, a role he also serves for the Foundation Group's other three partner trusts. A great-grandma ticked an item off her bucket list by dispatching a train to Worcester. Wheelchair-bound Rose Gardner, 78, fulfilled a childhood dream when she sent a Great Western train to Worcester Shrub Hill. The train-mad grandma's bucket list, was the wish was fulfilled at Shrub Hill when she lived her dream. Mrs Gardner, who has five children, 20 grandchildren and 24 great-grandchildren, dispatched the train from Honeybourne, the station where, as a child, she helped clean the royal train. Mrs Gardner, who sent the 1234 service to Worcester Shrub Hill, said, I'm an absolute train fanatic and this is something I've always wanted to do. I like the Flying Scotsman and I also am a big fan of the GWR trains which go up to Worcester Shrub Hill. They go great guns. It promises to be quite a year for her as she ticks off a bucket list created because I'm getting older and there's still lots of things I'd like to do. Earlier this year, she had her garden in Upton Snodsbury replanted. 
In October, she's going to see Daniel O'Donnell in a concert at Scarborough. She's planning to spend a couple of days by the seaside with her husband, John, and the bucket list has even included some long-awaited dental treatment. Trains have played a big part in her family's life. As a child, Mrs Gardner helped to clean the royal train when it stopped at Honeybourne or on its way to Cheltenham Racecourse. She said there was always lots of excitement whenever the royal train came in with the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh on board. We were allowed to clean the top half of the train and it really was something to look forward to. Having grown up around trains, her father worked in the nearby shunting yard and one of her brothers was a stoker. She now enjoys playing train simulator video games. I enjoy playing on the laptop and taking the train through to a certain station, but nothing beats travelling on an actual train. I like sitting by the window and watching the countryside roll by, said Mrs Gardner. GWR station manager for the North Cotswolds, Billy White, pictured, said, Rose's story proves trains have equal appeal for enthusiasts, young and old. It was an absolute pleasure to make one of her dreams come true and she was a natural helping to dispatch the train. Hopefully we've been able to make it a special day for her. The University of Worcester has been shortlisted for two national sustainability awards, including one recognising its efforts to support nature on campus. The university is a finalist for a Green Gown Award in the Nature Positive category, based around its initiatives to promote biodiversity, such as wildflower planting. It is also shortlisted in the Reporting with Influence category, which assesses how sustainability is reported. The Green Gown Awards recognise exceptional sustainability initiatives by universities and colleges and best practice within the further and higher education sector. Winners will be announced later in the year. Professor David Green, Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive of the University, said... The threat to humanity presented by global heating is real and growing. We all have a role to play in tackling this serious issue. The University of Worcester has a deep-seated commitment to environmental sustainability and the globally agreed sustainable development goals. We recognise our own responsibilities to limit greenhouse gas emissions, contribute to environmental science and work with students, staff and the whole community to take effective action together. We are delighted that our efforts have been recognised again. The wildflower areas created have produced a joyous array of flowers while promoting biodiversity and vibrant natural habitats. Clear analysis and reporting is essential to the scientific approach, which is essential if global heating is to be limited and climate catastrophe averted. The Nature Positive category focuses on institutions who are taking action to promote nature on their campuses in their operations, teaching, research and in partnership with local communities. In 2022-23, the University established a number of wildflower and grassland sites on campus to encourage nature to thrive, while also installing an additional 12 bird boxes and 4 bat boxes. 
These projects were made possible with part of a grant from the Natural Networks Programme, a partnership between Worcestershire County Council and the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust, funded by the European Regional Development Fund, along with further funds from the University. A memorial sculpture to the victims of the only fatal German attack on Worcester in the Second World War has been unveiled. The leaf-shaped monument, created by local mosaic artist Victoria Harrison, is the centrepiece of the newly regenerated Merco Memorial Nature Park, situated close to the Mining Engineering Co. Limited Merco Works. The factory was targeted in a bombing raid by a German aircraft on October 3, 1940, with seven workers killed and 50 people injured. The new memorial was unveiled by Irene Allen, aged 95, who narrowly avoided being injured in the attack. At a moving ceremony held at the park in the St John's area of the city, the event was attended by more than 20 descendants and relatives of victims of the attack. The keynote speaker at the event was historian and author Dilip Sarka, MBE, a member of the Battle of Britain Memorial Trust. He said... The attack on the 3rd of October 1940 was deliberate on account of the Germans wrongly believing that the Miko factory was producing essential parts for the British aircraft industry. Nonetheless, this well-executed attack by a lone JU-88 caused serious damage and sadly loss of life. It is entirely right and proper, therefore, that Worcester City Council has organised this memorial park to the victims and we of the Battle of Britain Memorial Trust commend all involved. Councillor Karen Lewing, chair of Worcester City Council's Environmental Committee, hosted the ceremony and said, This wonderful new memorial commemorates a significant but terrible event. The presence at the ceremony of relatives of the victims shows that while this attack may have happened over 70 years ago, It remains a piece of true living history. I hope that this striking piece of art will give the people of St John's and the generations to come a focal point for remembrance, linking the past to the present for the local community. The sponsor of the project to refurbish the Merco Memorial Nature Park, previously known as Sanctuary Park, and create the new sculpture was Councillor Richard Oodle, He said, the attack on the Merco works had a devastating impact on the people of St John's, with seven workers losing their lives and 50 people injured. This terrible attack has never been forgotten and it is only right we now have a lasting memorial in place. Seven people were killed in the attack and 50 injured. The new memorial honours the lives of the Merco employers who died in the attack. Albert Edward Williams, William Hume, James Williams... Perry Williams, George Ricketts, George William Lee, Thomas Charles Santler and Louis Clement DeFay. It also commemorates civilian Doris Tyndall, who lost her sight in the raid. One of the relatives attending the ceremony was Jill Glover, granddaughter of Albert Williams. She said Albert has always been a hero in our family and it's fantastic that the other people killed in this terrible attack are now being recognised in this way. The refurbishment of the Merca Park Memorial Nature Park has jointly funded by Worcester City Council Platform Housing and Worcestershire County Council. A popular bagel and coffee shop in the city centre has closed its doors for good. The steam house in Fourgate Street revealed with a heavy heart 
that it has closed its Worcester branch. In a statement, the store said it was immensely grateful for the love and loyalty city shoppers have shown them. A spokesperson for the steam house said, Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and with a heavy heart we announce the closure of the steam house Worcester. We are immensely grateful for the love and loyalty you've shown us. Thank you, Worcester, for being an in- integral part of our story. A sign has appeared on the door of the venue alerting customers to the closure. In December 2020, the steam house first received, sorry, first revealed it was coming to Worcester on a Facebook post. Since it has become a popular eatery amongst residents and racked up a rating of 4.7 out of 5 on Google. And now we're moving on to the sports, uh, sports features. Worcester City Women's Football Club have confirmed their move to six ways, leaving Clane's Lane behind them. City Women, who now run as a separate organisation from the men's team, will make the switch from Clane's to the 11,000-seater stadium ahead of the 2023-24 season. City women will join non-league men's football side Worcester Raiders and Worcester Warriors women as being tenants at Six Ways under the new owner's Atlas. Worcester City Women FC CEO Nicole Allison said, This is an incredibly exciting moment for our club, our fans and the entire community. We played our last home game of the 22-23 season here and the experience was fantastic. All the players, coaches and fans loved it. Part of our mission at WCWFC is to grow women and girls football in the area and attract top talent and being at Six Ways is a key part of that. We can grow our fan base and reach ensure a great playing surface all year round and provide a fun, safe and engaging experience for all fans. Six Ways is more than just a venue for our matches. It will be a hub for community engagement and we've already been part of some great events held here to foster a deeper connection with the fans and residents of Worcester. City Women did play a one-off match at Six Ways at the end of last season with a crowd of close to 300 people. Alison is hoping that the move will also help grow women's football in Worcester. By making Six Ways our home, we can offer a fantastic football experience for our fans by hosting some fixtures as doubleheaders with our development team and first team playing on the same day, she added. This will benefit the community and put Worcester on the map for women's football. We're really excited to bring women's football to Six Ways and drive the game forward in the local community and are grateful to the Atlas Worcester Warriors team for helping enable this. This is the cricket match report um, between Somerset and Worcestershire Rapids held on Sunday in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. 
Somerset's James Rue continued his sparkling 2023 form as his century proved decisive in the 36-run win over Worcestershire Rapids on Sunday in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. Rue has enjoyed a stellar 2023 racing to 1,000 runs in the county championship and showed his white ball pedigree in this Group B fixture with a second list A century. Wicketkeeper Roo struck eight boundaries and two maximums in a 93-ball innings that helped the hosts post 287 for nine from their 50 overs. Somerset had been 241 to three before losing their final six wickets for 46 runs in eight to two overs, with Ben Gibbon finishing with list A best figure of three to 58. But the Rapids, who went into the contest having won their opening two fixtures, came up short in their chase of the hosts' 287-run total, despite the best efforts of Ben Cox. Cox held the second half of the innings together as he shared in stands of 45 with Kashif Ali, 37, and 73 with Joe Leach, 41 but they lost their final four wickets for just 19 runs and suffered their first defeat of the competition. After the match, head coach Alan Richardson admitted his side weren't quite at the races. I think we got a lot closer than the score suggests, but in terms of how we went about our business today, we probably deserved to lose, said Richardson. Skill set wise, we weren't that far away with bat or ball, but we were a little bit off with how we went about our business in the field. There was a lot of sloppiness and we weren't quite at the races. Probably our attitude and energy wasn't quite where it has been in the first two games. We played at 70% and if you do that, you're always going to have a chance of not getting the results you want. We were really happy with where they got to. 287 to 9, if not necessarily how we got them there. And we felt we needed one really good partnership to get us over the line, and we never got that until Joe Leach and Ben Cox got together. Joe and Ben's partnership gave us that opportunity, but I always felt if we lost one wicket, it was going to be quite difficult, and we lost four very quickly, which absolutely killed it. Ben and Joe showed their experience and skill to give us a real shot. The Rapids will be looking to bounce back this week when they have back-to-back home games at New Road. Gloucestershire are the visitors on Thursday and Warwickshire come to town on Sunday.